Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Yeah. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we're so glad you're here. Uh, there's so many good things that are happening today, but you're here, and you brave the elements. What we found out from growing up here in San Antonio is that San Antonians are awesome about everything except going out in moisture. <laughs> it's like if it's sprinkling, I'm out. I'm not going out. Somebody could melt out there, but uh, you guys have made it, and so we, we're so glad you have. Uh, today's a big day. Uh, first thing, I got two things I got to tell you before we uh, jump into the new series today. Um, the, the biggest of them is that today is the last day that we will meet in this space. Uh, because, if you're new here, because we will be moving into our new building next Sunday. And uh, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Now, there is one small caveat, and that is we don't have an occupancy permit yet. Um, the guy was supposed to come Thursday or Friday, and he scheduled it for Tuesday. And so we're just like, all right, Jesus, we're trusting you and your power over the fire marshal to give us that on Tuesday. So by faith, we're taking the stuff down today after the third service and moving it over there, the stuff that needs to go over there. And then if that doesn't work, we're gonna just be telling you on email and Facebook and text and running around the neighborhoods, like, please don't come to that building. Yeah, we're gonna tell you to come here, but by faith, uh, the plan is we will be in that building next week. It will not be completely done, but that's, I, at this point, we don't even care. We're like, just get us in the building, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So tell all your friends, tell all your neighbors we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing two things as it relates to that building. March the 25th, it's, this is out a little ways. March the 25th, which is a Wednesday night, we're going to have a church dedication. I'm old school, and I still believe that we should say to God, this is your house, and we want your power and your glory to come into this space, and we're gonna do that as a family, of, uh, as a church family on that Wednesday, March the 25th. Some of our friends will be here, pastor friends, helping us do that. Uh, it's gonna be fun, it's gonna be amazing, um, but at the end of the day, we're saying, God, this is your house. This is not about us, this is about you, and we want your power, your glory, your, your reign over this place. And then on a uh, April the 5th, which is uh, Palm Sunday, we'll have our grand opening. That's the time we expect that everything that we wanna be able to do, uh, at least in this first phase, will be done, and we will send out lots of notifications to the general public, and that's when, if you want to, you can invite your friends. You can invite them now, but um, we'd love for you to invite them now. But um, that's what's gonna happen. So, uh, along with that, uh, I got to say one thing. It's something I hesitate to say because I hate talking about stuff like this. But one of our trustees, a couple of our trustees, we have trustees that oversee our church's finances. They make the decisions as it relates to the, to the church finances. I don't, um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm the founding pastor. I don't say that very much, but I don't, I've chosen from the beginning that I don't, that's not my realm. I want somebody else in charge of that. And so they were saying, bro, because we were talking about some stuff, and they were like, dude, just go tell the church this and let them respond however they want to. So that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my elders because they're all older than me. Praise the Jesus. It's, it's rare anymore, but they're all older than me. Um, so I along the process, some things have popped up that we didn't know. And, and, and if you've built a house or if you built anything, that always happens. And so there's some stuff that's come up that's been out of the ordinary. So one of the things was they just decided not to build half of our parking lot and never told us until about three weeks ago. They didn't tell us. We found it out the hard way. So we've put an extra parking over there where we thought we were going to put a little bit of parking. We had to put 150 spaces of chipped asphalt in there. We will come back over the top of that and pour concrete as we're able to. But even that chipped concrete costs 30-something thousand dollars. So here's what I'm saying. Zero pressure. Look at me, everybody. Zero pressure. However, if God moves on you, you want to help, uh, 
just in your check or at the kiosks or whatever, just put building fund, and I promise you all of that will go to help us finish that project strong. And again, zero pressure, everybody, all right? Um, it's God's going to provide. We always say if it's God's will, it's God's bill, and we believe that. But sometimes he pays the bills through us. Come on, everybody with me, all right? Amen. All right, so moving on. We're so glad you're here because this is part one of a brand new relationship series called Love, Dates, and Heartaches, or Heartbreaks, sorry. This is a series for married people, for single people, for teenagers, some of whom are on the front row right here. Yeah, give it up for all of them. Yeah. Yeah. And for uh, divorced people and, and, and the new category that's been introduced, it's, it's complicated people. Come on, it's for everybody. And we'll be talking to married folks sometimes, and sometimes we'll be talking to single folks, and sometimes we'll be talking to everybody in between. And it's going uh, to be a lot of fun. And, and today, I'm going to start this series. Now, several years ago, uh, you guys have heard me reference a pastor named Andy Stanley. Um, in my world, in my life, especially when I was a student pastor, this guy, when I, began, when I discovered Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. He was a youth pastor for years. Whenever I found out about him, he was a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor, but he was a lot better than me. And he's still a lot better than me. But he wrote a book about relationships, and he's just a master. And so I can't get him to come here and preach to you because he's, well, he's not going to come. Anyways, um, so I'm going to take some principles that I've learned from him, and I'm going I'm I'm to bring them to you today. Uh, so... Um, I just want to get that out of the way. Everybody with me so far? Okay, that's what we're going to do today, and, um, and then I'm going to make it my own, all right? So we do a series like this every year, partially because there is so much tension and so much pressure, and, and I'll say this just as a pastor, there's so much of a spiritual attack on relationships, godly relationships, that it just feels like that we have to talk about this every year because of how much pressure and how much stress that relationships have on people. And so we take some passages from the scripture that Jesus taught, that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote, uh, and those three in particular, and we bring them to you year in and year out. And, and so even though I look like I'm only in my 20s, the first service, the service, service laughed louder than that. Um, I, I've been... It's a joke, by the way. I, I've, been, I've, I've been in ministry now for 27 years this, this May, full-time ministry. And in those 27 years, the first 14 of which I was working with students and young adults, uh, and now for the past 12 years. By the way, LifePoint Church will be 12 on Easter this year, and I can't hardly believe that. It's amazing. Um, uh, but the last 12 years working with, with, with a lot of people who are getting married or are married or were married. And I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest pressures that I see on relationships today is, is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when you're dating or you're engaged or you're married, we have certain expectations that we've picked up along the way for how things are gonna go. Dreams, wishes, hopes, you see this here, um, that we've picked up along the way. And we bring them into the relationship without telling the other person what our expectations are. There's no communication. A lot of people don't do premarital counseling. They're like, I'm going to spend a zillion dollars on the wedding. I'm going to plan for the wedding for like a year. I'm going to go into debt like forever. I'm not going to be able to buy a house for 14 years because I'm paying for the wedding. And really, we're not even paying for the wedding. We're paying for a dress and the party afterwards. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, if you don't, you know, you will find. So anyways, um, and, and people don't take the time to get clear on what, what we expect. And, and so what happens is, and I have these bags here. Um, I had boxes, but they didn't look good, so I got bags instead. 
and they only look marginally better, but they do look marginally better. I gotta remind myself, okay. Um, we, we pick up bags from our childhood, from our families of origin. Um, we bring baggage into our relationships. Sometimes it's just good stuff, like it's hopes and wishes and dreams that we bring in uh, to, to relationships. But oftentimes, we don't really know what's in those bags until we've been married a while or we've been dating a while with this person. And we start to fill these bags up um, with, with things. And so we have, we have dreams about how, how we're going to handle money when we get older, when we get married, or when we are married, and who's going to pay the bills, and how much money we're going to have, and are we going to both work, and, and are we going to, you know, what's the plan? And we have, we have dreams about money. We, we also have just simple things like chores. Who's going to do the chores? Who's going to take out the garbage? You can't believe how many fights that, that end up in big marriage problems that started out with, are we putting the toilet paper over the top, or are we going to pull it from under the top? And everybody wise knows that you pull it from over the top. It's in like Deuteronomy or something, or Leviticus. I, see, I feel like I've seen it. Maybe um, it's there. Um, but, but who's going to do the chores? We, we, we have dreams and expectations about what kind of house we're living. We're going to live in the city. We're going to live in the suburbs. We're going to live in a, an apartment. We're going to buy a house right out of the gate. And by the way, we have to have it bigger and nicer than our parents did when they retired. I don't know if y'all noticed this, but this is a new trend. Anyways, you, you have thoughts about the kind of car you want to have, and you're like, we need, a, we need a respectable car. That old beater truck that you were driving, it was cute when we were dating, but now we're grown-ups, my man. Put it away. Put away childish things. Paul said it. Put away childish things. Put that truck away. Th there's hopes and dreams and expectations about time and how we're going to spend it. And a lot of people are like, maybe one of the people are like, we're going to spend our time together all the time. You don't need any friends anymore. I'm your friend. You don't need to go out with your buddies or your girls. I I'm your friend. And the other, maybe the dude's like, what? We're just getting married. I'm going to just still do the same old stuff I did before we got married. And she's like, and I'm going to cut you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For Jesus, you know. Um, and, and so th there, there's, there's, a, there's expectations and hopes and dreams about how we're going to spend the calendar. It's like, like, okay, so my family, we're going to do Thanksgiving, Easter, and Christmas. And with your family, we're going to do Groundhog Day and Festivus. <laughs> Festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> They're like, what? No, my family cooks better than yours. Right? And then there's that whole fight that goes down about that. Now, my wife knows that my family cooks better than hers. But that's just a whole other thing. Should I not have said that? Probably not. Okay. Uh, anyways, I'm going to try to make it up along the way. E every guy, let's be honest, every guy has dreams and hopes and wishes about what his wife will not wear to bed. You know what I'm saying? I probably shouldn't have said this either. I felt... <laughs> no, he just wants me to be comfortable. He just wants me to be warm and fuzzy. He doesn't care about all that. And he's like, Ab about that. I'm probably not going to say that in the next service. So I'm going to leave that one out. Scratch that one out. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of things that impact what goes in the box. And by the way, I'm going to get to the Bible in, in, a, in a few moments. So just everybody's like, he hasn't wrote a verse yet. I'm just setting it up, everybody. It's a series. We're going to unpack it over time, all right? There's already people like, come on, man. Turn, I don't see any of this in the Bible. It's going to get there, I promise. All right. There's, there's a lot of things that impact what goes in this particular bag. But most of the time, what you're going to find out that what goes in that bag is in response to, and for good or for bad, uh, the family of origin that we have. And what, what we find out is that we find that people are either trying to avoid something by what they put in the bag 
or they're trying to recreate something by what they put them back. In other words, somebody's saying, we, listen, my hopes and dreams and relationships for, for our relationship is to be the exact opposite of what my mom and dad were. Right? I'm going to avoid that. And somebody may be saying, no, 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 no. My mom and dad's marriage, the, the family dynamic was amazing, and so we're going to try to recreate that. And that's what impacts what goes in the bag. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where the tension comes in. Here's where the issues start to pop up. You, you, when you're dating and maybe you're engaged, maybe it's at the altar, maybe it's a few months in, maybe it's a few years in, uh, at some point along the way, we can't help ourselves. What will often happen is we will say, we will take this bag and we will eventually say, listen, make it come true. And we will put it in the hands of our, of our spouse. This is my hopes and my dreams and my expectations as it relates to marriage, as it relates to our relationship. I'm counting on you, too sharp, Danny. I'm counting on you to make it come true. But here's what happens. When we hand them our bag of hopes and dreams and wishes, which are fluffy and fun and ethereal and nice to us, when we put it on them, when we, when we give it to them, it starts to feel heavy and burdensome and not very light at all. To them, it feels like if I don't come through with their hopes and dreams and wishes, then they will be disappointed with me and it becomes this expectation. Become, this becomes this. And remember, I told you that probably one of the greatest things that I find that create troubles in marriage is unmet this. So an expectation is just this firm belief that something that I'm dreaming about will happen, that something I want will happen. Now, you may say, well, it doesn't have to happen right now. It doesn't have to happen the first year, but someday, right, babe, we're going to get there. We're going to get to where all my hopes and dreams are as it relates to finances and, and calendar and time and how we spend it and what we do on vacation and, and what kind of house we live in. So it becomes an expectation. And here's the truth. Any time that we try to avoid something, like whatever, this is what impacts what goes into the bag. Anytime that we're trying to avoid something from our family of origin or recreate something from our family of origin, this will inevitably become this. By the way, I had some conversations after the first service in the lobby uh, with two different couples, one of whom had been married for 50 years, and they're like, Danny, bro, what you said today about that and that is 100% true. Please say it over and over and over again. So if I say it over and over again, it's because they told me to, and they're my elders, and I listen to my elders. <laughs> All right? So what was, what was intangible, what was light, what was dreamy, becomes heavy and burdensome. And we start to think after a while, this is not at all what I thought marriage was going to feel like. This is not at all what I dreamed of and what I imagined of when I thought about it. And it's at this point where some people in their relationships will come to a crossroad and they will start to make decisions that can change the entire thing. So one of the first things that some people do when it gets serious enough, when that becomes so heavy, is they leave. They bail out. Can't do this can't bear the weight of your expectations of what your dreams and wishes for me are. I can't do it anymore. Another thing that people will do is they will start to fight in their relationships rather than fight for their relationships. And they'll fight in their relationships with the sole purpose of winning. And they want to win by coercion 
and by, by uh, domination and manipulation. And, 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 and when they do this, they create a recipe for disaster. But people want to win. They want to fight in their marriage and they want to win and they will do anything to win and in the end they will lose the whole thing. And so much of this is created by expectations. Unmet expectations. Now, here's the deal with expectations. And this is true of any kind of relationship. It doesn't have to be just romantic. It could be kids with your parents, parents with your kids, friends, neighbors, coworkers. The thing with expectations is they create a debt to debtor dynamic or a relationship, meaning somebody owes somebody something, right? Um, in other words, when I put all of my hopes and wishes and dreams on you and expect you to do something with them for me in that moment, I am now operating under the assumption that you owe me this. This is what you owe me. This is what husbands do. This is what wives do. This is what my dad did. This is what my mom did. This is how it works. This is the cultural norms about our relationships. These are the expectations that are built enormously. You owe me this. And this is huge. So we say things like, you owe me affection. And you owe me to provide. And you owe me to be the one who pays the bills every month because that's what my mom did or that's what my dad did. You owe me to spend this much time with our kids. You owe it to me to love my parents and want to spend all the good holidays with them. Come on, somebody, right? They're more fun than yours anyways. They cook better than yours anyways. You owe me to stay fit like you were when you were dating, right? You know what I realized today is I didn't stay fit when I got married, so there's never been an expectation for me to be fit. <laughs> Pro tip, young people. Pro tip, just come in as sloppy as possible and it can only get better from there. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. I don't, I don't feel like it's good. You, you, you owe me, you owe me this, you owe me that, and, and then the underlying current in the relationship is you owe me. And even though it's true that both of us are indebted to one another, right? We signed, we, we signed a marriage license, but we made vows. We're indebted. When it creates this debt-to-debtor relationship, this this is not what God ultimately had in mind when he put the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, together. So it boils down to this. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what men do. This is what women do. This is what husbands do. This is what wives do. Expectations. And we moved hopes and dreams from this bag, and we put them in this bag. And for the first couple of months, or even the first couple of years, year two, three, four, It's not that burdensome, but what happens in years five or six or seven, which is, by the way, statistically where a lot of relationships have their first major situations. It's in those years where it starts to feel like, man, this is heavy, this is hard, this is harder than I imagined, and it creates a rub in the relationship. And after a few years, we start taking this the things that people do to help us reach this, we start taking them for granted because we moved them over here. And the gratitude leaves, and the joy leaves, and the, and the, and the hope leaves. How much, let me ask you a question, how much gratitude do you express to the people who are just simply doing what they agreed to do, right? If you bring a contractor over and he says, I'm gonna do this for you, I'm gonna mow the grass and I've already agreed to pay you this amount of money, do you thank him profusely for doing that or you just say, here's the money, now get out. You know, probably you shouldn't do that. You should be kind, right? Anyways, let me, let me make it clear like this. Let, let's say you owe me some money. 
I don't like it where I would owe you money, so I'm going to say it where you owe me some money, all right? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And so say, let's say, I, let's say you borrowed $500 from me, and so one day you come to me and you say, Danny, bro, man, I just really appreciate what you're doing around here or whatever. So here's 100 bucks for you to take you and the missus out on a night on the town. Uh, here, here you go. Here's 100 bucks. Not, not only am I not going to see that as a gift, not only is, uh, am I not going to be grateful for that, I'm going to be thinking, where's my other $400? You see what I'm saying? In a debt-to-debtor dynamic, that's what it is. It's like you're just doing the basic, the, the bare necessities. Now, it started here, but it ends here. And when it ends up here, th- what used to be hopes and dreams are now expectations. So it doesn't matter what I do, I'm always at zero. I don't ever get to get into the brownie points in the extra credit column because I'm always just doing what you, th- you expect. So in a relationship that has devolved into a debt-debtor dynamic, gratitude is minimal. As long as somebody feels that they owe somebody something, they don't receive what you do for them as love. They don't receive it as gratitude. So you could be working hard to provide, working hard to keep the house clean, working hard to stay fit or be a good mom or good dad, working hard to do whatever that was in the hopes and dreams category of your spouse, but they start to see that as the basic minimum. And if you don't do it, they, not only will they not thank you for doing it, but that when you don't do it, they'll call you out for it, right? That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what men do. That's what women do. And over time, it robs us of the joy of doing it. It robs us of a sense of self where I'm not appreciated. I'm not beloved. I'm not admired. There is no gratitude. There is no joy. And it feels like the love has gone. And I mean that literally. Because here, here's another side of that debt-debtor dynamic that is kind of insidious. It almost always eliminates the possibility of of unconditional love, right? So that if I do something in this, in this hopes and dreams category for her, but it's moved over here into the expectation category, it's not seen as an, as an expression of love, even though that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to speak your love language. It's seen just as the basic requirements of being my husband or my wife. That's harsh, but that's what happens. If I owe you, it's difficult to ex- for me to express love to you because love requires margin, and margin is extra. But if there's nothing that I can do that feels extra because it falls in your expectation category, it's hard to express love. So what do we do? Am I making sense so far? I hope I am. Those of you who've been married a while, you're like, y'all better hear it. Y'all better listen. Young people, you better listen. Right? I don't know why I just yelled it like that, but maybe... <laughs> Maybe they, I don't know. What, what do we do with these two bags? I promise you this is real. I pro- 22 years of blissful marriage with the perfect woman in the whole world. Told you I was going to make it up. <laughs> I just lost points again, didn't I? Thank you. What, what do you do? Here's the first thing you do. Listen, I don't care if you're single, if you're dating, if you're married, if we're talking about parents and kids, this is true. You stop and ask yourself the question, what do they owe you? What do they owe me? The answer to the question, the right answer to the question is nothing. What? Do I know? Do what now? Nothing. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they're not owed anything in return. Some of you are going, that doesn't make sense, Danny. You're right. 
it doesn't make sense. But here's what I, here's what I found, because I'm an older couple now that's been married a long time, that, that happy couples that have been married a long time and have been together a long time, much about their lives won't make sense to our culture, to the modern world. They go through hard times and, but they, they're, they're still happy together. They're having a, they're, they, they go through seasons of sickness and disease and bad things happening in their world, but they're happy together. They're not rich. They're not talented. They're not extremely whatever, which is what society would say would make a person happy, but they're happy anyway, and it doesn't make sense to people. Some of them have a lot of kids, and some of them weren't able to have any kids, and yet they're happy together, and it doesn't make any sense. There's something about extraordinarily happy couples that's always a mystery to the rest of the world, and I'm telling you that what is part of, of the mystery, what part of the mystery is, is that they live every day under the assumption that they owe each other everything, but they don't expect anything in return. They're digging in your box of hopes and wishes and dreams saying, how can I meet one of those today? And they don't ever expect anything in return. That's what happy couples know. Now, that's crazy, Danny. That doesn't even make sense, Danny. Where does that idea come from? Oh, I'm glad you asked. One day, one day, Jesus, in John chapter 13, so, so John 13, 14, 15, 16, are, is, 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 is Jesus preparing his disciples for the inevitable, his leaving, his departing and leaving them behind. And so he's giving them words, and these last words in those chapters are as potent as any of his words every, anywhere. And so he says to these guys in John 13, 34, Hey, guys, I know you have 600 and something commands from the Old Testament, from the law of Moses, but I want to give you a new command. And here's what it is. Love one another. But, but then, just to make sure that they understand the weight of what he's saying, he gives a caveat. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So, so in the old days, it would be like, like do unto others as they would, you would have them do unto you, remember we call that the golden rule, but Jesus goes another, a how never level. You know what I'm saying? Goes a how never level, and he says, no, no, no. Don't just, don't just do unto others as, as you would have them do to you. Do unto others as I have done for you. And this makes no sense to them in the moment that he says, his disciples are like, what has he done for us? He's taken us out here. We don't have any houses. We have no food half the time. We're sleeping in rocks and holes, right? But then a few weeks later, as he's hanging on an old rugged cross, the blood of the Lamb of God pouring out for them. They're like, oh, wow. As I have loved you, so you love one another. And it's like, this is the overarching relationship principle in all of the Bible that Jesus gave to guide all future relationships regardless of their dynamic. And so, later on, a guy named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. He starts to write letters to these various churches that he's established on his missionary journeys. He's writing letters going, hey guys, hey, here's what you do, here's kind of what you don't do. But in every situation in, that re involves relationship, the imperative is always coming from this verse, love one another as I have loved you. So in Ephesians chapter five, verse two, he says to everybody everywhere, hey, listen, walk in the ways of love. And oh, by the way, just as 
Here's where that verse comes in. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is how you're supposed to, in your interactions with the people who differ with you politically, woo, right? Walk in the ways of love. In what you post on Facebook, walk in the ways of love. How you drive down the road. This is on me. This is me. Lord, I hear you. Walk in the ways of love. Just as Christ loved us in the same way, in the same manner that Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. I want you to hang on to that notion. Gave himself up for us. What does that look like? That in the middle between hopes and dreams and wishes and expectation, there exists potentially a massive amount of misunderstanding, a massive amount of unmet expectation, tension, relational crisis. In the middle of it, he says, drop in the middle of it this command. Walk in the ways of love, just as Christ Jesus loved us. And so Christian marriages are not about a code of conduct or a set of roles or rules or expectations, but rather, according to Jesus, according to Paul, it's about acknowledging she doesn't owe me anything, and he doesn't owe me anything, but I feel like I owe her everything. This is the big one. This is the marching order. Every single New Testament imperative after the resurrection, every single one of them starts with this notion, as I have loved you, Jesus says, I want you to love other people. So in his letter to the, to the, to the Ephesians chapter 5, which is an amazing relational chapter, chapter 5, verse 21. Now, a lot of men love verse 22, which says, wives submit to one another. They're like, yeah, that's the good verse right there. But there's a verse before that verse, y'all. Just saying, and it says, hey, listen, submit to one another out of reverence for who? For Christ. Do you know what this means? It's the same thing that Jesus said, except it's got a little barb in the hook. And, and, and it's the starting block for people who want to have a great marriage or who want to have great relationships with each other. It's this notion of mutual submission. What? Submission, we don't use that word anymore, Danny. That's not a good word. It's not a modern word. We only talk about that in MMA, where we try to submit each other through power and force and jacking the guy's neck all out of sorts. I don't even know. I don't even watch it. It's violent, man. Right? Mutual submission. So what, what mutual submission says is I say to her, in our relationship, you're the priority. And she says, no, 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 babe, you're the priority. And I'll go, no, 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 you're the priority. And then we get into a fighting match about who is the priority. No, I'm just kidding. That's not right. This is why uh, I love how Andy Stanley says this. He says, Christian marriage is a submission competition. And everybody's like, I don't like that. Can you say it a different way? No, that's what it says right here in the Bible, right? It's, it's a submission competition because the, the command is not, hey, wives, just be submission to your, submissive to your husband. It's, hey, both of you submit to one another. It's about mutual submission. My friends, if you don't hear anything else today, I'm telling you, and I spoke to a lot of people out there who've been married a long time, two couples who've been married, one for 40 years and one for 50 years are going, Danny, this is right. You, what you said is right. I'm telling you, this is what makes a marriage and relationships amazing is this. 
what happy couples know. I'm here for you, and you're here for me, but I'm not here for you because you're here for me. I'm here for you because my Heavenly Father was here for me when I had nothing but hell and death and, and, and crisis heading my way. He came down, Jesus came down and rescued me, and in, in light of what He did for me, my response is always, I'm putting you first. I'm putting your hopes and your wishes and your dreams, your bag before my bag every single time. So, Paul says, out of reverence for Christ we do this. And the word reverence is about awe. So that when I step back and I look at the cross of Jesus Christ and the suffering and the blood that was spilled on my behalf and on your behalf, I'm supposed to say, whoa, right? And he doesn't, he, and Paul doesn't say, hey, and that awe and that woe should drive you to church on Sundays and you sing a lot of songs with as much gusto as you want to. He says, yeah, you can do that. That's a good way. That's a good starting place. But really where I want it to translate is, is in your relationships with other people. Walk in the ways of love. Submit to one another out of reverence, out of awe for what Jesus has done for you. Surrender to one another. Be selfless in your love. Be kind. Listen, what if in America today, anybody did this? What if our politicians who have waged war on each other did this? What if people on Facebook just said, huh, that's what we're supposed to do. Out of reverence for Christ, I'm supposed to be kind and gracious and generous and compassionate. How different would our world look like instead of all of us fighting for our own ways and our own things and our own selfishness? So how do you, how do you get everything that you put in this box or this bag back into that bag? You know how you do that? It's raining, y'all. It's raining good. So it's, I'm going to preach longer. Is that okay? I'm just out of respect to you guys to keep you dry. <laughs> Not really. How do you move this to there? You make a decision. That's it. Well, Danny, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like it. No, no, no. You just say, you know what? All the stuff that I think because you're a woman and because you're a man and because this is the way my parents did, I'm taking it back. I'm putting it right back over here. Man, it would be awesome someday, but I don't, you don't have to do it, but if, if you ever feel like it, it would be awesome. You just decide. It's the way you do. It. How do I forgive somebody who's wronged me? You decide to forgive them. Well, I don't feel like it. You're never going to feel like forgiving somebody. You want to cut them for Jesus, of course. You want to give them an invite card to next Sunday over there. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel like it. You just do it anyways. It's an act of faith. It's a step, even though I don't feel like it. It's a step to take what's, what we've put in here that's actually coming in between our relationship. The thing that we want most is peace and, 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 and goodness and, and love and compassion. But the thing that's getting in the way of that is that. And I'm going to decide today, I'm going to put it back over here. I'm going to discuss, I'm going to have a conversation. Babe, what is it that I'm doing that, you, don't, that y you do around here that I haven't been very grateful to you for? How can I show more kind of, you make a decision. Well, how far do we have to take this, Danny? How far do we take this, Jesus, your principle that you gave us that's jacking up everything right now? He's not, by the way. Jesus says, well, I went to a cross for you. I died for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe you could come home on time. Maybe you could stop yelling and talking down to each other. 
Maybe you could dial back the criticism and the sarcasm. Maybe you could treat each other with a little bit more kindness and respect. Oh yeah, you, you did die on the cross for me. I, I'll, I'll work, I could probably work on that. So, I'm gonna wrap it here. I gotta find something real quick. Can, can y'all just, yeah. I'm gonna, Philippians chapter two, I don't have it in the notes. Um, the Bible's asking me, do I wanna give it five stars on, on the app store? <laughs> yes, you're awesome. <laughs> and then it put a blank there and it wanted me to type and I was like, ain't nobody got time for that, I'm preaching. Paul writes in another place in Philippians chapter 2, he says, hey, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus did, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held onto, like this is my right to be God. Rather, he emptied himself, and he made himself of no reputation, and he humbled himself, or he came underneath something which was death, even the death of a cross, exclamation point. It's there, by the way, It's it's in there. He, he went under that. And so Paul says, hey, in your relationships with one another, I want you to think like Jesus did. Because here's what Jesus decided to do. He looked at the human condition. He looked at the needs of people. He looked at the fact that I couldn't, with my own goodness and my own efforts, make my way cross the bridge between me and the holiness of God. I couldn't do it alone. So he decided in order to have a relationship with you and in order to have a relationship with me, he had to give up what was by his rights his. He had to give up his expectations and he had to, to exchange them. He had to take, take my hopes and my wishes and my needs and my dreams and your dreams. He had to come up under them so that he could have a relationship with you. He's like, I can have a relationship with mankind, but I'm going to have to, here's the key, I'm going to have to submit myself to the will of the Father. I'm going to have to make their deal more important than my deal. I'm going to have to make their interests more important than my interests because my greatest need, I don't know what your greatest need is. Actually, I do know what it is, but I don't know if you've acknowledged it yet. My greatest need is that I can't forgive myself of my own sins. And I can't seem to forgive myself, and I can't make myself right with God. And I'm going to always wonder where I stand with God. And this is a big deal. And so for Jesus to take care of that, for Jesus to have a relationship with us, he had to make my deal his deal. But in order to do that, he had to give up his rights to what he had coming to him in order to have a relationship with me because he couldn't have it both ways. So he put himself under. He emptied himself. He dumped out his box of expectations and what was rightfully his. And he said, hey, in order to have a relationship with them, I have to lay aside this. And Paul says, hey, in your relationships with one another, you got to do the same thing. Now, here's the question. He says, that's the attitude. That's that mutual submission that I want you to carry into your relationship. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it risky? Yes, because they might not respond in kind. Does it always work? No. Are there any guarantees? Of course not. Who did Jesus die for? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He died for the world. 
He died for everyone in the world, but the question is, has everyone in the world stopped, bowed the knee, and said, Jesus, you are awesome, and you are Lord, and you are great, and I want to have a relationship with you. Has everybody done that? No. Did he know that in advance? Yes. Did he go to the cross anyways? Yes. It was worth it to him. It is worth it what he suffered because of folks like you and I. And he says, listen, Paul says, listen. Jesus says, hey, I want to give you a new command. Love one another. Not just any old how, any old way. As I have loved you, love one another. And Paul comes behind him and says, hey, walk in the ways of love and submit yourselves one to another out of reverence and response to what Christ has done for you. If you do this, listen to me. This is the foundation. This is just part one. I didn't answer all your questions. This is just part one. If you do this, you will have incredible relationships. Amen, somebody? Can I pray real quick? Lord, thank you for what you did for me. Lord, if we don't go any further, if we don't do anything as it relates to marriages and relationships and dating, could we just stand back in awe of what you did for us on the cross of Christ? The price that you paid, the penalty that was mine, that you bore on your own self. That in my best day, on my best day ever, Isaiah said that my righteousness is as filthy rags, but he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us, that in him, that is in Jesus, we might become or we might have the righteousness of God. No way I could cross the gap that exists between me and the holiness of God. No way could I get there, but because of Jesus, who came and died on my, who, who emptied himself, who poured out all of his, his godness. He didn't cease to be God, but he poured out all of his rights and privileges for me that he suffered even the death of a cross. Wow, and maybe for some of us, maybe some of us, we just pray that prayer. God, in response to the fact that you died on a cross for me, God, I believe. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that you are Lord. Some of you just need to stop and pray this right now. Lord, God, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you, God, to be the forgiver of my sins and the healer of my broken places. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to, to follow you, Jesus. I want your good spirit to come along and lead and guide and direct me all the days of my life. In, in, in light of what you've done for me, my response, Lord, is all of me to all of you and help me, help me walk and follow after you. I pray in Jesus' name. Listen, before you look up, before you look up, just real quick, if you prayed along with us today on that, that would you just raise your hand? We just want to see yeah, yeah, thank you. Just keep them up for just a second. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. So, hey, LifePoint, can we celebrate those who just did that today? Amen, 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 amen. Hey, God bless you guys so much. Thank you so much. Hey, come back next week uh, over there. We're gonna get into some nitty-gritty stuff. It's gonna be fun, but today we wanted to set it up with a principle that I promise you will not fail you. It will not fail you. Amen, everybody? God bless you. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.